Today is the Lord's Day. It is the first day of the week. And so, as has been the ordained pattern for the past at least two millennia, we, the church, assemble ourselves to worship God as a covenant community. We are a people who are bound by the new covenant not only to Christ, but to one another as well. We are, as Peter said, and as we have recently memorized, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession that we might proclaim the excellencies of who? Of Christ. And all of us who know Christ or who are known by him hold a significant role in God's plan for proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. And none of us are left out. As Paul taught us in his letter to the Ephesians, each of us has been called with a holy and miraculous calling. Each of us has been chosen of God, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, not only to be co-heirs with Christ, but to be, listen, co-laborers in Christ. In other words, God has a significant role for each of us in the building of his church, which I believe is the only thing that God is doing in the world. He's building his church. And we all have a unique role in that building project. Hence the spiritual gifts. God has gifted us each differently so that we can function differently as a body, which is unified uh, systemically and organically and yet has many parts And so God has gifted us and equipped us. This is why Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and now we are back in Ephesians this week. This is why Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1, that we are to walk, that is, live in a manner worthy of the calling by which we have been called. How does God magnify the excellencies of Christ? He does it through people who are devoted to living in such a way that draws attention to how glorious Jesus is. Are you looking for meaning in your life? Do you wonder what is the meaning of life? You go to any bookstore and you'll find a thousand books that take a shot at that answer. But there's only one. And it's simple. The meaning of life is this. You have been created to magnify the glory of Christ. And the sooner you get about doing that, the sooner you will discover the meaning of your life. And the more you do that, the more meaning and fulfillment you will find in life. It's not about us finding fulfillment. It's about magnifying Christ. And the joy comes as we do that to his glory. That's the way God has designed it. And so our pursuit of meaning, our pursuit of fulfillment, our pursuit of pleasure, and God's desire for us to glorify him are on the same track. We find that fulfillment, that joy, that satisfaction as we pursue the magnification of his glory in this life. And all of us can do that. God created you to magnify Christ. That's the meaning of life. Now, who is Paul speaking about specifically? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Who is he speaking about specifically? Well, he tells us in chapters 5 and 6. In 5, 22 through 33, we learn that God has a very special calling for wives and husbands. 
In chapter 6, verse 4, we discover he has a plan for moms and for dads. In verses 5 through 8 of chapter 6, we learn uh, the role played by slaves, or in our day, employees. And in verse 9, we see the high calling of masters, or employers, all of us, various offices, various functions, some of them overlap, some of you have two or three of these categories that you're involved with, maybe all of us do. And all of it is supposed to be done with a view toward magnifying Christ in these specific offices. Each one of us, each one of these men and women serve in their respective roles under a high calling of God. And to each of them are privileged to magnify the glory of Christ in unique ways. But there is one group of people that I left out on that list. And maybe if you were following along there in the beginning of chapter 6, you noticed that I skipped the first few verses. There is a group that has equally been chosen of God to fulfill this high calling, but whom we often overlook. And we read of them in verse 1 of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. And we're going to stop there. I know this is, I'm kind of not completing this whole section because there is a word to dads, to parents as well. We're going to look at that next week. I need a whole sermon and maybe two uh, to cover that one verse. But we just want to look at this first section. Children. This is a whole category of people. Now, you've got to see this in its context. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Yes, but that is not the only reason. The greater reason is because you have an incredibly high calling in Christ. You are not left out. If you are a Christian child, if you are a Christian young person, this verse, these three verses, are for you. In fact, this whole message is for you. Mom and dad, don't check out on me. But kids, you better pay attention because your parents are going to quiz you on this. I know they will. I'm going to quiz my kids on it. My wife has already threatened some of our kids that you better know this thing down when Pastor Dan gets done, when your dad gets done. Yeah, my kids don't call me Pastor Dan. But. <laughs> and I don't generally speak like this either when I get up in the morning. The message this morning is geared specifically to the young people and the children of the church. And the message that I hope you hear today is this. Do not think that you must grow old before God can be glorified in your life. Even as a Christian child, your calling in Christ is high. It is great. You have a tremendous calling. And the sooner you understand your calling, the sooner you can fulfill it and understand your place in your home today. And it's not just to get by. It's not just to get your homework done before you come to co-op or before you get to school. It's not just to be as obedient as you need to be so that you don't fall under the wrath of your dad when he gets home or your mom while she's there. 
You have a higher calling than that. And listen, who does this apply to? It applies to every young person who is living at home under the authority of their mom and dad. If you are not married and you are at home, this applies to you. And all of us can learn from it. Children, your role in the church is significant. And I mean not just Calvary Bible Church. I mean your role in God's plan for the church in its effectiveness in this world is significant. And the impact your young lives can make upon the world for eternity is huge. Now, as we begin examining the next section of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we need to be reminded of where Paul is in his train of thought. So let me give that to you real quick. In chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says that since we've been called with such a miraculous, unfathomable calling in Christ, which he covers in chapters 1, 2, and 3, our life's ambition should be to, verse 1 of chapter 5, imitate God. And then in verse 18, he reveals that imitating God with our lives requires that we be continually filled with the Spirit. And so we learn right off, wives, you're not going to be able to submit as you should unless you're filled with the Spirit. Husbands, you're not, you're not going to be able to lead your wives and your family like you should unless you're living under the filling of the Spirit. And children, you're not going to be able to do what God calls you to do in your home unless you are filled with the Spirit. It's essential. You must absolutely be filled with the Spirit. And finally, he explains that one of the distinguishing marks of people who are filled with the Spirit is, look at verse 21, chapter 5, that we are subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, I have to belabor this. Subject to one another means what? You know this. I see you walking around doing it. It means to rank yourself under one another. To rank yourself under, subject, submit, rank yourself under. It's a military term. And do it in the fear of Christ. Do it in obedience to Christ. Now from that point, chapter 5, verse 21, all the way through 6, verse 9, Paul explains what ranking ourselves under one another looks like in real life. Submit to one another. Rank yourselves under one another. Okay, Paul, tell me how to do that. What does that look like? And so he tells us. The first category of real life that Paul addresses here is the home. First, he speaks to how husbands and wives are to rank themselves under one another for the glory of Christ. And then how children are to rank themselves under their parents. And finally, how parents are to rank themselves under their children. And that's next week. Martin Luther called this section of Ephesians the Hustafel, the household table or the household rules. This is God's household rules for how we relate to one another. This is how God expects us to relate in the family, in the home. Namely, he expects us to govern ourselves. Listen, this is key. How does God expect us to relate to one another in the home? He expects us to relate to one another with radical humility. That's the whole point of this. We are to relate to one another with radical humility. It's not that God is throwing out the authority structure of the home. No. We need to be clear on this. 
The Bible makes it clear that Christ is the authority over the man, the man is the authority over the wife, and the parents together are the authority over the children. That has not changed, but this text is not speaking about that. Other texts do. The issue Paul is dealing with here is not the office each person holds, but the attitude of the heart by which he relates to the other members of his family. The wife's office in the home is a high calling, but it must be pursued in humility under her husband. The husband's office, likewise, is a high calling, but he must lead in humility, serving his wife, even as he leads. The office of parents in the home is equally a high calling, but their leadership must be exercised with great humility, serving their children. Now, this is where we start getting convicted, parents, but we'll save that for next week. Just put your conviction helmet on next week. You're going to need it. And likewise, the role of children in the Christian home is a high calling. And it must be worked out with all humility and submission to their parents and, might I add, to one another. Now, you might be asking, what makes this arrangement so unique? Why is the focus on humility so significant? Well, in a word, because it is so countercultural. It is so unlike the world. And the reason this stuff gets convicting is because we are so much like the world and shouldn't be. It's not a mistake. It's not an oversight. It's just sin. It's sin. Not relating to one another in humility is sin. The priority in the home is so unusual, this priority of humility is so unusual that when the world sees it and when our unbelieving family and friends see it, it strikes them with an unmistakable blow. Something is different here. And many of you have seen that. You go out to restaurants, you sit there and you have a meal, your kids behave, and old folks want to come up and say, you got all these, are all of them yours? I love it when they ask that. Uh, you know, we had five, and we went out to five of our seven, and we went out yesterday, and I, I love it when this didn't happen, but it ha- happens frequently. They come out and say, are, are these all your children? And I say, no, ma'am, we have two more. <laughs> <laughs> but when people come up and they say, wow, your kids are so obedient, I, I mean, they're, They're not throwing food at each other, and they're not yelling at each other. I mean, sometimes that happens in a Kirk household. Some of you know that. But you know what? When they're living according to this model, it makes an impact. And none of us do it perfectly. This is not a call to perfection. Praise the Lord. It's a call to appropriate direction in Christ. We are moving closer and closer and closer to the perfect model who is Christ whose life we live out in our lives collectively because we are the body of Christ. Listen, we said, because the Bible teaches, that the Lord Jesus is the visible, was the visible representation of the invisible God, right? Jesus was the visible manifestation of the invisible God. But Jesus is gone. 
He's coming back. What is the visible manifestation of the invisible God on earth now? In a word, the church. And more specifically, your family. Your marriage first, and then your family with your children second. That's what people see. The world doesn't see us here. They see the building. They can't see how you're relating to one another. They see that when you're out to dinner, or when you're at the ball game, or when you're playing with your kids in your messy front yard, or wherever it is. They see the church. You are the visible manifestation of the invisible God. Now tell me you don't have a high calling. James Montgomery Boyce wrote this, because uh, this is important, because not only was, it a high, uh, was this lifestyle radically different in our day, but it was radically different in his as well. Boyce writes this, under the Roman law, patria potestas, which means the father's power, it was a Roman law. A Roman father had absolute power over his family. He could sell them as slaves. Hmm. He could make them work in the fields, even in chains. He could take the law into his own hands, for the law was in his own hands by law. He could punish as he liked. He could even inflict the death penalty on the child. Further, the power of the Roman father extended over the child's whole life. So, so long as the father lived, a Roman son never came of age. He never got out under his father's authority. Continuing, Boyce says there was also the matter of child repudiation leading to exposure of the newborn. When a baby was born, it was placed before the father. If the father stooped and lifted up the child, the child was accepted and was raised as his. If he turned away, the child was rejected and literally discarded, thrown out into the field. Such rejected children were either left to die or they were picked up by those who trafficked infants. These people raised children to be slaves or to stock the brothels. One Roman father wrote to his wife from Alexandria, quote, If, good luck to you, you have a child, if it is a boy, let him live. If it is a girl, throw it out. Against such pagan cruelty, Boyce writes, against such pagan cruelty, the new relations of parents to children and children to parents brought by the Christian gospel stands forth like sunshine. After a dismal storm. Children, your calling is great. Dad, Mom, your calling is great. You want to know how your family can have the greatest impact upon the unbelievers in your world? Learn to live in this kind of radical, spirit-filled humility. Learn to rank yourselves under one another in the fear of Christ, and the world will not be able to overlook the miracle that God has done in your hearts. Now, we've invested a significant amount of time already on packing what it means for a wife to rank herself under her husband, and we invested even more time, I think three messages to the one, to the wife, three messages for husbands thinking about what it means for a husband to rank himself under his wife even as he leads. But what about the children? What about the children? Kids, your role in the home is equally significant. If you are a believing child, if you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, 
Your role is significant. So long as you are living with mom and dad, God calls you to proclaim the excellencies of Christ by ranking yourself under who? Your parents and each other. And to do so out of obedience to Christ. Now, there are only three verses in the text, young people. And from them, I want you to see three things. Number one. The rule of obedience. I'm going to give all three to you. Number one, the rule of obedience. Number two, the reason for obedience. And number three, the reward of obedience. The rule of obedience, the reason for obedience, and the rule of obedience. uh, The reward of obedience. Number one, the rule of obedience. Look at verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, I know the idea of having rules may not excite you. Again, I'm speaking to children. Having rules in the home may not excite you, but you must understand without rules, the world would go to pieces. And so would your home. I know a lot of you are getting up close to driving age. Imagine what it would be like if there were no lines on the roads, especially single lane roads where cars are coming at each other. If there were no lines and you could just drive wherever you wanted to drive, what would happen? Listen, I've been to countries where there are no lines on the roads, and it's a scary thing. You come to a, 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 an intersection that's got lane after lane after lane of traffic, unmarked, no lines, and they're all coming into one intersection, and guess what? There's no traffic light either. There's no stop sign, and there's no police officer. What do you do? You put your helmet on. <laughs> You got one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake, and you pray. Why? Because there aren't any rules. You know that slogan, no rules, just right? Forget about it. That's anarchy. You gotta have rules. If we don't have rules, we don't have peace. If we don't have rules, we don't have order. There's gotta be rules. Now, thankfully, the rule that I'm about to explain to you comes from the person who loves you better than anyone else in the world and is more committed to your well-being than you ever could be. And so the rules that he gives you, kids, are rules that you should love. Now, God is asking you to trust him when he says that this is a good rule for you and you would do well to obey it even when you don't feel like it okay now some of you kids are moaning already and i see some of you are sleeping that's okay you can listen to it on tape (laughs) so what is the rule exactly paul says children obey your parents in the lord now what does that mean well the word obey here is an interesting word in greek it's the word hupakuo i want all the children to say that with me ready Hupakuo. Let's say it again. Hupakuo. Good. Now you know what it means to obey or what the word is. It's an interesting word because it literally means, listen to this. The word for obey, hupakuo, means to listen under. Isn't that interesting? Rank yourself under, verse 21. Chapter 6, verse 1. Listen under. It's the whole theme. Get under one another. Get under one another. Humility. Listen under. It fits beautifully with verse 21 of chapter 5 where the words are translated 
subject yourself to one another, but it means to rank yourself under. In other words, treat the other person as if they hold higher rank. Now listen to me, especially you teenagers. Uh, You may think you know more than your mom and dad. I'll tell you a little secret that all your parents know. Number one, you don't. And when your parents smile and act like they're really surprised and they've learned something for you, just know they're being humble. They want to be encouraging. They're probably learning something from you too. But you don't know as much as you think you do. And you need to remember that. Your parents are not your buddies. No matter how much they love you and you love them, they rank over you. They literally rank over you. Now, when it comes to child and child, you got the same rank. And you're still called to rank yourself under someone who's got the same rank. But listen, because of that, when you rank yourself over your parents, it is abominable. It is wrong. It is sinful. It's not about Oh, he's becoming an adult. He's finding himself. No, he's sinning. That's sin. I just saw it. Just heard it. And it needs to be dealt with that way, parents. Don't just let it go. This is not good for your family, and it's not good for your child. And we're going to see that when we look at the reward. Parents, uh, children, you need to rank yourself under, even when you feel like, Mom's just blowing it. Mom doesn't know what she's talking about. Mom's not competent to do this, and I'm better at it. Or, Dad, you know, Dad's really out to lunch sometimes. Well, in my household, that's often true. But you must still rank yourself under. You are a man or a woman under authority. And good leaders come from good followers. You must learn this. To listen under then means that you choose to view your mom and dad, what they say and what they do as worthy of respect and respond positively to what they say. No rolling of the eyes. Oh, good grief. Don't put yourself over them like that. That's disrespect. That's dishonoring to your parents. And it's not cute. It's sin. One of the dominant characteristics of our increasingly godless culture is the utter disregard and even contempt young people show to their parents. But again, it's not cool. It's not an indication that you're growing mature. It's nothing better than godless rebellion. And it's what Paul said would indeed mark the culture in the last days. In Romans 1, 29 through 31, he This is Paul talking about the wrath of God coming upon a godless world before he explains the gospel later on. And this is what he says about the world to come, which I believe is today. Anytime after the resurrection is the last days, right? And this is what Paul said would eventually happen to our culture, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, envy, full of, uh, excuse me, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, Malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. Next one, 
disobedient to parents. You say, well, come on. Kids have been disobedient to parents for eons. Yes. He's talking about a mark of the culture. In other words, the culture is distinguished by a characteristic. And that characteristic is the kids rebel against their parents. We see the same thing when he talks to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.2. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. These are things that will mark the culture in the end times. Tell me we are not in the end times, the last days. Young people, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Don't let the world mold you into an arrogant fool who knows little but boasts of much. Determine that for the glory of Christ, you are going to be a wise son or daughter. Solomon said, fools despise wisdom and instruction. You're despising your mom and dad's counsel? You're a fool. You say, well, my parents aren't Christian. You're a fool. Unless they're telling you to do sinful things, you honor them. You rank yourself under them. Later, Solomon says, the same chapter, verse 8, he says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching either. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. You know what he's saying? Your obedience is going to make you look good. It's about you. It's about how you appear before God and other people. Obey. Take counsel. Jesus knew this when he was a boy. At the age of 12, Jesus had more understanding than all of his elders. But he did not, therefore, despise their rule. And he didn't despise the rule of his parents in his life either. He had more wisdom than Mary and Joseph, and yet he was submissive to them. And listen, even though they had erred. Even though he was right and they were wrong, he submitted himself to them. It's pretty instructive, isn't it, kids? If you want to know what it means to listen under, to obey your parents, look at Jesus. He really did know it all. And yet he submitted. Notice, too, that you are to obey your parents in the Lord. And the Lord doesn't mean that you are only obligated to obey if your parents are Christian. No, it means that you must obey your parents as an act of obedience to the Lord. In the Lord. You as a Christian are in the Lord. Therefore, obey your parents as if you were obeying in the Lord. Because you are. Or disobeying Him. Your desire ultimately is to please the Lord. How do we know that? Well, the, the counterpart, uh, the, 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 the complementary portion of Scripture that goes along with Ephesians, we read a little while ago, Colossians chapter 3, 20 makes this ex- explicit. Paul says to the Colossians, almost a twin letter with the Ephesians. In fact, it was taken by the same mailman to two two different places. Paul wrote them at the same time. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. Sound familiar? For this is, 
Now, in Ephesians, he says, this is right. In Colossians, he says, this is well-pleasing to the Lord. You want to please the Lord? Obey your mom and dad. The goal of all things should be to please the Lord. And so the rule is to obey your parents. But what about the reason? The rule is obey your parents and the Lord. But what about the reason? Why? Why should I do that? Well, clearly one reason you should obey your parents is that it pleases the Lord. But the main reason is simply that it's the right thing to do. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. It's the right thing to do. In other words, it is right on its face. You don't have to get deep into this. You don't have to understand philosophy. You don't have to get an education to get this. It is right on its face. You don't have to think very deeply and get philosophical. The created order itself demonstrates that children are to submit to their parents. Nature demonstrates for us, even in the animal kingdom, that the offspring are to be submissive to their parents. It is our sinful nature that tempts us to rebel against what is right. But it's more than that. In fact, obedience to your parents is not only right, it's pivotal to the stability of your home and to society. Obedience to your parents is pivotal to the stability of your home and to society. And perhaps that's why God included it as one of the Ten Commandments. More than that, this command of the Lord is the first of his commandments for how we are to relate to one another. Do you understand that? Of the Ten Commandments? You realize, right, that the Ten Commandments are in, they call it two tables. There are two tables of commandments. There are the first four that tell us how to relate to God. We have no other gods before him. We don't make any idols, right? The first four are about how do we relate to God. The second table, the sixth other commandments are all about how we relate to one another. There's a clear dichotomy between the first table and the second table. Right after honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy, which is the last one for how do we re- relate to God, then the next one starts. What would, what would you say is the first commandment if you were writing the commandments? Let's say you were writing the same commandments. You were the one in charge of putting them in order. Which would you do first? Well, let me give you a hint. The second Commandment in the second table is thou shalt not murder. What is the first commandment in the second table? Children, honor your parents. Isn't that interesting? Before thou shalt not murder, first issue, obey your mom and dad. This is more foundational to the stability of this nation than murder. Because you know what? If we handle this issue first, the murder issue won't be that big an issue. Because you will have learned obedience and submission. Honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. That's the fifth commandment. R.C. Sproul writes this, So important did God deem this particular duty of mankind that he included it in the Ten Commandments, the foundation of the law for the nations, for, for his nation, Israel. 
The respect that children ought to give to their parents is essential for a well-ordered society, for the stability of the home, and also for the development of discipline and character in children. It's one of the Ten Commandments, and there's a reason for that. Do not take this lightly, children. Your calling is great. And children, do not think that learning obedience is no big deal. It is a huge deal. An ordered society is built upon authority and respect. And that begins with you. It begins with you. Listen, sometimes your parents are pulling their hair out trying to teach you to obey. And you're just resistant. Why? Why are you resistant to that? Is there any redeeming reason why you would be resistant to such a good thing? Why should you obey your parents? Not only because it pleases the Lord. And that should be enough, but because it's right. And so Paul gives us the rule of obedience, and he gives us the reason for obedience. But then notice the reward of obedience. Verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. The words for The word for honor here means to fix value upon your parents. Fix value upon your parents. Honor your mother and father. Honor your parents. It means to fix a value on them, a high value. In other words, don't just put up with them. Treasure them. Treasure them. Even if you think they don't treat you with respect that you deserve, you honor them anyway. And by the way, this is not just a command for young children in the home. And this is also a command for older children who have aging parents. Are you honoring them? Or have you forgotten them? Why should we do all of this? Well, because it's right, because it pleases the Lord. But notice, too, that it comes with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you will live long on the earth. Now, obviously, the original promise was to Israel regarding their land and other things. But Paul picks up on that specific promise to the nation of Israel and for our sakes generalizes it here in the New Testament. The promise is that obedience to your parents will not only glorify Christ, but it will also improve the quality of your life. I love the illustration that Ted Tripp gives and we use with our young ones from time to time. You take a piece of tape or a chalk or whatever, and you draw a circle, a big circle on the floor. And you put all your kids in it. So maybe a big circle. You put your kids in it, and you tell them, listen, this is the circle of blessing. This is the way that the Bible describes it. And when you are within the circle of blessing, that means when you are obeying your mom and dad, you are right on the target to be blessed. But if you cross that line, guess what happens? You're out here floating around. You're outside the circle of blessing. You're in serious trouble. And so what will a loving parent do? He'll say, child, at all costs, because I love you, I'm going to help you get back in that circle. And if it requires a little pain on your backside, it's grace. It's grace to you. Why? Because obedience comes with a promise of blessing. And I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. So obey. Don't make it hard. 
Be a quick learner on this. Honor your mom and dad. Stay within the circle of blessing. The promise to obey your parents or the the command, the rule to obey your parents comes with a promise that the quality of your life will be better. Does it say, is it a promise that I'll live until I'm old? No. I think it's a, a promise to your society, your culture, Israel in specific. If you raise a generation that obeys their parents, you're going to do well. You people are going to prosper. But if you raise a generation of rebellious kids, get ready. Because death is coming to call. Nothing is worse for a young person or parents than to be in constant friction with one another at home. It's a horrible thing to feel your heart sink at the sound of your dad's car pulling up in the driveway. Or to hear the voice of your mother come in through the back door. Because you know... Whatever we're going to talk about, it could be the weather, it could be your new lunchbox, it could be any insignificant random thing, it's going to involve conflict and bitterness. There is nothing worse in the home, but it happens all the time. But this should not be the norm for Christian families. And young people, you have a major role in helping make sure your home doesn't become a battleground. What's your calling? Your calling is this. Honor your parents. In your heart, fix a high value on them, on their instruction, on their instincts, and even on their rules. And you will be blessed by the Lord when you do. And this isn't the only place in Scripture that says so. Proverbs 30, 17 says this, The eye that mocks a father and scorns his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. That's kind of gross. But listen to this. Proverbs 10, 27, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. The wicked will be shorter-lived. Proverbs 4.10, hear my son and accept my sayings and the years of your life will be many. If you live in wisdom, you're probably not going to die as soon as a person who lives like a fool. The lifelong lesson here is obvious. Look for ways to honor your father and mother, no matter what your stage of life. Find them as soon as you can. It may yet transform family relationships And things will indeed go well with you. It's never too late. If you are young, you may feel that there is very little you can do to serve the Lord. And here is a special word for you, young people. Your loving obedience to your parents may be the very thing that makes other families wonder. What is it? What has his or her family got that we don't have? Their relationships with each other seem so different from ours, so much better, so much more peaceful. And there you have it. You are witnessing for Christ even by your lives. And that's where we want to be.
Children, your high calling in Christ is great. You are not just spectators in your families and in the church. How you respond to your mom and dad may make the eternal difference in another person's life. As God may use that to open their hearts to hear from these parents who must have credibility. Look how they've raised their kids and thus open the door for the gospel. You never know. But God does it all the time. And he uses even the likes of us sinful parents and sinful children living together in miraculous harmony because of the Holy Spirit working God's work in our lives. And so there you have it. The rule, children obey your parents. The reason, because you ought to live to please the Lord. And the reward, your quality of life will be much better than by being disobedient. Children, do not think that you must grow old before God can be glorified in your life. Even as a Christian child, your calling in Christ is great. And Father, we praise you that you are at work in our homes. Not all of our children are believers. They need the gospel applied to their hearts. And we know, Lord, that only you can do that. And yet, Father, we understand our responsibility as parents to train them, to teach them the word of God, to teach them the gospel, to implore them to respond to it, to embrace it, to love Jesus, to see him and to savor him and to desire to glorify him with their lives. Oh, Father, help us be faithful. You've given us a stewardship. And it has been given to every steward that a man should be found faithful. We want to be faithful. Lord, I pray for our children as well that you would give them hearts to be faithful to you. And that beginning with obedience to their mom and dad, submission to their authority, honoring them with their lives and with their conversation. And Father, all of it for the joy of our homes and for the glory of Christ in the world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You'd stand with me now and take your hymnal and turn to number 494. Like a river glorious, number 494. Let's sing together. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious. Never foe can follow, never trace. 
You know, some of you children may be here and you're, you know that your relationship with your parents isn't right. I'm going to be talking to your parents next week, but I'm just talking to you right now. You may wonder, where, where in the world am I ever going to find peace in this home? Maybe it will start with you going to mom and dad and saying, Mom, Dad, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. And this is how I've done it. And will you forgive me? And revival may break out in this church. Now, having said that, let me say also, I've never been around a more respectful group of young people than I have in the almost 12 years that we've been here at Calvary. But you know what? There's more. You haven't arrived. And there is sin. And you need to own it and confess it because knowing the truth is not enough. You must act on the truth and the truth will set you free. I exhort you young people, consider your hearts. Consider your attitudes towards your moms and dads and do what the Holy Spirit calls you to do in terms of repentance and faith. Ephesians 3.20 is your encouragement. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And all the people said, 